With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. I've got Andrew here. We're the Waiting for Next Year.com podcast. I'm Craig. He's Andrew. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And we're just going to dive right in. We've made uh, some changes at Waiting for Next Year. It involves Patreon, it involves Discord, which I believe the kids know about Discord. Um, but this is going to be Andrew's chance to brag because I brought up the Discord idea sometime on Sunday. And by the end of the day, Monday, we basically had a fully working Discord implementation. Yeah. Well, it was funny. So Craig came to me and he's like, hey, there's this awesome new program I found out about. It's Discord. Like, you got to check it out. And I was like, bro, I've been using that for five years. No. Uh, but it was it something so, like that. uh but discord yeah so it's something like as a as a person that plays a lot of video games and had gotten into like pc gaming especially i I was definitely familiar with it and used it primarily as a way to talk to other players so like me and my friends we would like we created a discord server when i say created a discord server it literally has one room like and then we would have like our you know, our voice room where we would all go into with our headsets, we could talk to each other. Cause unlike, you know, like Xbox and PlayStation where you have like party chat that's set up for you on PC, um, the games have to provide that. And sometimes that the voice doesn't work that well. And it's just easier to have your own. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Place where you guys can communicate, and that's that's become Discord. Um, but also another thing that, like, certainly with, like, a lot of streamers, they have their own Discord servers, and so... Sometimes you, they you, they would tell you, invite people to go in there and you can look for people to play games with. And so like a game I like to play, Destiny 2, um, there's a activity, it's a six player raid 
And so if we don't have six players, we got to find somebody else to do it with us. Like you need six people to do it. And so you have to go find people and the game doesn't provide any tools for that. So we would use discord and we'd find these huge discord servers with hundreds of people. And it was all like really super fancy and automated. And there would be bots that would assign you roles. And I was so confused about what it was. Um, and so anyways, so like that was like the extent of my knowledge of it. I thought it was pretty cool, but I had very basic working knowledge of it. So when you brought that idea to me and said, Hey, you know, can we do this for uh, waiting for next year? I was like, you know what? Like, this kind of would be fun. I can uh, see if I can figure out what it is you have to do. So I spent a day watching YouTube videos on how to how to set up a Discord server, and uh, we got ours up and running. And well, it's actually a lot of fun to learn. On the back on the back end of the website, we've been using Slack for years now in terms yeah. of communicating, getting organized in in terms of of populating the site, and actually just being friends. Like yeah. I, I think slack became our go-to so that we got to know each other you know whether it was a, a stressful sports season or a political season or or just you know stuff that was going on in our family lives we had this this whole community going for us um and we wanted to somehow find a way to bring the waiting for next year people the commenters the people who listen to the podcast all the different people who support us and have supported us over the years into that world and so discord gives us a way it's like somewhere for those who don't know it's somewhere between a chat room and a message board and it allows you guys uh the people who aren't producing the podcasts and the articles to be in channels right next to the channels that we utilize every day so for us it, it's a really great way for us to interact with everybody and deliver some additional value um and we've got a private channel for our patreon folks i i think um you know it's it's important to kind of talk a little bit too about you know the history and how we got to that point because we've always been trying to find ways to be more interactive with our community because i think from day one one of the things we we have been most proud of is the community we established at waiting for next year that you know we didn't allow people to just attack each other you know people disagree all the time i mean we have had massive conversations and debates and disagreements in the comments section at waiting for next year but we've always mo heavily moderated them and made sure if people started name calling we put an end to it you know and we you know you can disagree with somebody that's fine but just don't make personal attacks about it just state your case cite your evidence so internally and, and because we, we were such a smaller playground than say twitter or facebook we were able to generally keep that in line you know there, yeah it, was, in it the, was in the history of the site i think we've banned one person it has been a few but uh not many but not, not many. many and uh we uh internally you know at the time we were communicating through email i mean we would have hundreds of emails every day just these huge email chains and at that point like all right we were trying to figure out like could we do like an email newsletter to bring because we always kind of wanted to bring that community into our internal a little bit as well and so we were like well could we do like an email newsletter or something like that and that you know never really panned out for you know a variety of reasons a couple of which were my fault but um you know, it just, it didn't happen. And then uh, we we went to Slack for ourselves and that was huge for our communication. Uh, it brought us closer as a site. You know, I think prior to Slack, we were just 
people who kind of knew each other, but we just sent a lot of emails to each other every day. But I really felt like Slack allowed us to really, like you said, get to know each other a lot, uh, a lot closer. And I think, you know, it brought us in as like, as a team, like we all became friends, you know? And so that it was great for that. And that, you know, I know we've kicked around the tires before, like, is there some way you can use Slack to like, let people only see one channel, but not the rest. Cause obviously we still need our private channel for our, you know, internal discussions about the workings of the site, but we also wanted to, certainly to be able to interact with our community in the same way that Slack brought us together. Can we bring it together with our community? And, and so well, I think discord is what we'd realized is that, that in our Slack with our 20 X channels, 25 channels, whatever it is, there's like only four or five of them that we actually use to produce the site. And the rest yeah. are like <laughs> us talking about uh, Mandalorian or food or all these different things that don't necessarily make it to the front of the site. Yeah. Um, and so what we had end up building was something that was kind of like a private friend group and, and less of a front facing website. And so I think it's really cool that technology and, and systems have caught up where we can kind of bridge that gap and especially without getting deep down the rabbit hole especially in this time and place mm -hmm. um a lot of us are scaling back our facebook or twitter usage uh instagram still feels like a safe place for a lot of people yep. but it's not been a lot of fun to be on twitter at various points in the last five six years and that regardless of of what you think about anything that's going on in the political world or, or whatever it's become kind of an ugly place where you might fight with your aunt or uncle on Facebook and then you go to Twitter and there are a bunch of people dunking on each other in any way, yeah. shape or form. And part of what the, the, the killer app that waiting for next year always had was that civility um, and that ability to communicate about things sometimes on the topic of Cleveland sports and sometimes off the topics of Cleveland sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know the word safe space has become <laughs> ugly, but like waiting for next year actually was kind of like a safe oh, absolutely. space. Absolutely. You know, like I think, you know, we have people that cover pretty much all over the political spectrum and waiting for next year. And we actually do have a politics channel internally that, you know, we use to discuss it and it is not everybody, nice, not everybody, but you know, <laughs> like, but I mean, but it is, and, but that's the nice thing about it. It's like, if you just don't want any part of it, you don't have to be there. And I think like for me, it, it was even bigger than like, you know, so I took a pretty hefty Twitter hiatus. Um, I'm, I've started looking at Twitter again a little bit. I'm not, uh, I haven't posted anything, but I'm still kind of looking at it every now and then. Uh, the Like the Browns in the playoffs, like that really kind of drew me back in because I wanted to see what people were saying about the Browns. And then the Cavs have been exciting. So I wanted to see what, you know, some of the sports people that I've, haven't seen their opinions lately, I, I wanted to see. And so and it, a lot of people thought my hiatus was solely because of politics. And while yes, politics was maybe perhaps part of it. Um, you know, I certainly got tired of just, I mean, it's just a heavy time. Like 2020 was heavy, man. Like, and that was the thing. It was like every day I would go to Twitter and it didn't have to be political. People are losing their jobs. People are upset about, uh, people are upset about, you know, well, you know, 
I can't go anywhere. And then people are fighting over masks and vaccines and on and on and on a million things. And I couldn't stop finding things to fight about in 2020. And it was, yeah, it was just like every time I went on Twitter, like everybody was miserable. And it's, I just realized it was bringing me down. Like just get, I would be in a good mood and I'd go on Twitter and I would see all these miserable people and it would just suck me in. And I would doom scroll for an hour, just reading conversations of other people that I'm not even a part of that are fighting over this stuff, you know? And so I had to back away from that. And I think having like having the waiting for next year slack was a real savior for me on that aspect because I could still, you know, go and laugh and have a good time. And you were just, walled off from sort of that wall of wall of negativity. And uh, so I think like the thing with my thing with the discord then was like, well, if we can even replicate even a small part of that and bring in some of the commenters who have been with us for a long time. And I mean, certainly anybody from the public who wants to join is, you know, they can, they can join up. Um, But we want to have a place where people can be civil to each other. And, you know, that, that, doesn't mean you can't have disagreements and arguments and all that, but just a place where we're not going to just be just bogged down by constant negativity. And so that's kind of, kind of what we're doing and it's kind of exciting and fun and we'll see where it goes. And I, I put the URL up on the screen. If you're, if you're watching us live, I created a, a tiny URL, um, tinyurl.com forward slash WFNY um, short for disc Discord. Golf. Oh, Discord. It's not for our disc golf league. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be for Ben Cox. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we we want everybody to join in. We think it'll be a lot of fun. We think it'll be good for everybody. And then the other part of it is that, you know, waiting for next year has never been a very good business. Um, and it's never going to be a very good business. It's never been anybody's full-time job. We don't expect it to become anybody's full-time job. But, uh, you know, we do, we do have bills. It does take time and money to produce the site hosting and and different things. So one of the things is advertising on the site. The other thing is our Patreon. Um, and we've always struggled to find ways. We've had a wonderful crew of people who've supported us on Patreon, but we've struggled to find ways to deliver that extra piece of value. So this is one of the ways that we thought we could do it. We're really excited about it. Um, one thing that 2020 has taught us, even the, the podcast you're watching right now is video conferencing. And so we, we think that we can do some virtual hangouts and we could do some things like that, that maybe the world wasn't ready for five years ago when we started the, uh, the yeah. Patreon, but everybody's ready for it now. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash WFNY, um, join up at one of the levels, uh, hook up your Patreon account to your discord account and you will be in our special private channel. We will do everything that we can to, to make it worth your while. And, um, we think it'll be fun and you get to support the site. Yeah. That's the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's the pitch. (laughs) Nothing to add. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really it. That's the, the sales pitch. It's tinyurl.com forward slash WFNYDISC. I'll have that in the notes. And then if you have some extra money and, and you want to support the site, uh, patreon.com forward slash WFNY, it's 
it's not going to make any of us be able to quit our day jobs, but it'll, it'll allow us to keep the site going and reward the people who are creating the content that you continue to enjoy. Um, and now with, uh, discord. So fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we're, I really do feel like we're just getting started with it too. And I think that's something that we have some ideas and we'll see if, how many of them we can implement, but, uh, you know, we, this is something we want to keep building and keep doing. So, you know, it's a good time to get involved and, you know, give us your ideas, you know, what kind of things would you guys like to see and do with, with this, you know, we're, we're all ears. So we, we just want to right now, we just like to get people signed up and, uh, come join us. Yeah. And the, the other thing that we have changed to Patreon that, is indicative of where we've gone as a site is, you know, obviously blogging and the written word has died out a little bit. You know, everybody, everybody has a micro blog on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever they go. And so people don't read blogs the way they did 10 years ago, uh, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was when the site was started now, but we've been adding podcast friends. So, you know, the nail in the coffin, uh, the Browns Friday fumble has been a part of our feed for a long time. The, the dairy bros, the dairy brothers are a part of us. And also, you know, we hooked up with Cleveland and beyond and, and some other podcasts. So we've added those as, as Patreon levels in, in Patreon. So if you're, if you're here because you like the nail in the coffin, we don't blame you, but, uh, go ahead. When you go to patreon.com forward slash WFNY, select them. Or select the yeah. Friday fumble. Don't select the Friday fumble. I don't <laughs> forget those guys. But um, or Cleveland to beyond, and and that's, you know, you vote with your vote with your pocketbook, vote with your dollars, and and everybody benefits. And we're just anyway. Enough pitching. I, I would also just I'm going to pitch one more thing and just say right. like, truly like this is, I mean, you know nobody's going to believe me that I'm, I'm not just saying this like really these are really quality podcasts all of them uh even friday fumble yes is a quality podcast uh especially but, friday fumble <laughs> uh you know we're, we appreciate everybody who's been a part you know craig's been running this podcast for a long time and doing a great job with it um but i really like i look forward every week when there's a new you know nail a new nail in the coffin episode like it it's they're always good stuff um and I, I don't I want to just, forget Josh and Joe who picked up the yeah, the, post, oh yeah, the post game podcast mantle um, during the Brown season this year. Yeah, which was which was awesome. Good to see. So good stuff. All right, so let's talk about the only active Cleveland sports team, the Cleveland uh, Indians, the Cleveland baseball team. Or, yeah, I mean they um, were, they were act, they were active, man. They made a signing today. Oh, uh, they re-signed a. Uh, uh, middle of the road uh free agent right you can't bring me down on this craig all right well i don't want to talk i don't want to talk about them i want to talk about the cavaliers all right let's do it (laughs) so in my i won't say wildest dreams i never expected this cavaliers team to be this fun (laughs) yeah i think that's a pretty common sentiment i think you know well I, to some degree, I think some of us were kind of hoping that they would be a different kind of fun, like the kind of fun where it's just like, well, gosh, darn, you know, they're scrappy for a couple quarters and boy, we, you know, if they just keep developing, we see some things that we can be happy about, you know, 
But I would argue that this Cavs team has been more than that. They are not just scrappy upstarts. Like they've won games. Uh, they pushed really good teams to their absolute limit. Um, they're the Cavs are right now are not a novelty. Like they are playing good basketball. They are playing team basketball. Uh, JB Bickerstaff has transformed this into the West, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, which is just insane. Watching so Larry Nance. JB Bickerstaff expose John Beeline the same way Kevin Stefanski exposed Freddie Kitchens, or not I, to that level yet? I would say not to that level quite yet. Um, but close. It's, it's in that. It's in that ballpark, man. Like. Because these are a lot of the same players, you know, that, that played for Beeline. Um, but you, you can't discount, like, the, the additions of Drummond and McGee certainly transformed, uh, you know, that the, the, the back line of the Cavs defense. Like, having those guys back there sort of set a foundation. And then you have Larry Nance, like, his development um, – especially defensively. I mean, he, he's always been an interesting defensive player, but this year he, he's added that where he's reading the passing lanes better than ever. And uh, he's getting a lot of steals and he's active. And so some of that, you know, is probably bigger staff. Some of it is a little bit of the change in personnel. Some of it is just player development, but you, I think it's clear that when beeline was the coach, the, the, there was not buy-in from the players. I mean, that was abundantly clear. There was no buy-in. But anything that w- looked like buy-in went away after two games. I mean, it was ugly. And then, you know, we don't have to rehash it, but, you know, you had the uh, playing like thugs or he, did he, he meant to slugs. say slugs or whatever it was, you know, like it, there was just all these things and it was just a mess. And w- the one thing JB has done since he took over has been uh, really just got everybody to buy in and work together. And that started at the end of last year. These, these Cavs played pretty good basketball for JB at the end of last year before their season was cut short. It really felt like they were just starting to turn a corner last year. And even at that time, that was when, a lot of that was Kevin Porter. You know, a lot of it was Kevin Porter, who was probably the most exciting young player last year, I would argue. Um, and so, you know, obviously not having him this year was was an adjustment. Of, you know, but we we saw we've seen. I mean, Colin Sexton has just made yet another leap. I mean, every year he gets better and better, and that's somebody that I've had a lot of doubts on, about. You know, I. I never thought he was horrible, but I was always just like, eh, he's a player, you know, but I mean, he's playing himself into an all-star um, with, with, with the way he's playing basketball right now. So it, I kind of, I kind of thought of him as like a more sane Dion waiters like that, yeah. that level, he could go off any night. He was a quality basketball player and thank goodness he was, he didn't have the insane gene. Yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing about that is, is that's about what I would have, that's probably about what I was expecting for his shooting ability. And I think that's the thing about Colin Sexton is that he has an unconventional looking shot. It's not like this pretty shot that it's not a Steph Curry, you know, uh, style of shot. You know, his elbow flares out sometimes when he shoots it. Um, It's he, he can be a little bit off balance at times, but he, 
year in and year out, like he has just been a very good three point shooter. And I think that's been the thing. Like, I think I spent a good year, year and a half kind of telling myself, well, he can't keep this up. That, that number is going to start to come down and it just hasn't. He's, he's just played phenomenal basketball and it's been awesome to see. I have a devil's advocate question for you. Sure. So one of the things that LeBron taught us while he was here is that you can only play so hard throughout the, the regular season on your way to the playoffs. And during any NBA regular season, it probably makes sense for the most quality teams to coast a little bit and hang back and really pace themselves because it's a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes when I'm watching this Cavaliers team play, I feel like they're sprinting and it's not so much maybe that they're that they're shocking the world and they're better that they're just a bunch of tryhards. Is there any possibility that they're kind of tryharding their way through the regular season in a way that other smarter teams would not? Without question. Especially especially I would say like I don't, you know, towards the middle part of the start of the season, I think there were a couple teams in there that it just really looked like they just caught them off guard. Like they were not ready for the type of game the Cavs were going to play. So, yes, the Cavs are outworking and they're playing harder than most teams they play, without a doubt. But I think as you get a reputation for that, teams sort of expect that from you and they start to raise their level of play. Like there's teams you can coast against and teams you just always know you know, you can't coach. Like, I always think like, for me, that like a team like the Blazers, like when the Cavs were better, like when the Cavs had LeBron and you knew they were better than the Blazers, every time we played them, you knew the Cavs were going to have to play really hard because the Blazers were going to be playing at a thousand percent. And I think that's kind of a little bit what sort of what the Cavs are doing. They're, they're getting a little bit of that reputation. Like you better come to play um, when you're playing the Cavs because you know, they're not going to take it easy on you. You're going to have to work. And so there, there could be certainly, um, I, you know, I'm not sitting here and projecting the Cavs to make a deep playoff run or anything like that, no. but they don't have to, for this to be a great season for them, for them fighting for a playoff spot. We, I think if we, we thought if they could be competing for a playoff spot, that would be amazing. And so as they sit there currently in seventh in the East right now, you know, I see no reason why they're not going to be, contending for a playoff spot so um it's it's going to be a this already is shaping up like now who knows injuries could happen they might still make some more trades that could shake things up so you know we'll we'll see what happens but i i just think that what the Cavs have done is really like really energized the fan base i mean the fans are loving this team this is an easy team to fall in love with and to enjoy watching night in and night out and rooting for and um you know, that's, that's always a gift, but boy, is that especially a gift after how frustrating it was last year having, I mean, we, I know we talked about this on the podcast, um, how frustrated I was with the Cavs not getting to go to the bubble and being let, like the Cavs were a forgotten NBA franchise. They were, they were irrelevant. You know, you could let, you know, if you, before the season, if you listen to like a Zach Lowe preview season preview podcast they didn't talk about the caps they weren't even a mention like not even when you talked about the bad teams they didn't talk about the cap they were forgotten as even a bad team that's how irrelevant they were to everybody and 
the Cavs are not an irrelevant team anymore. Like you're seeing national people talk about some of the things they're doing and the ways they're playing. You know, Zach Lowe has talked about Larry Nance on multiple occasions, you know, and uh, you know, Bill Simmons is saying stuff about Colin Sexton, you know, however you feel about Bill, Bill Simmons. But when Bill Simmons is talking about the Cavs, that's a pretty crazy thing. Cause that sh- that has not been happening since LeBron left, obviously. So, um, you know, people are noticing now, like the Cavs have made themselves a fun basketball team that people who love the sport that really love people who play good basketball, they enjoy watching this Cavs team. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, national reporter, Joe Varden is talking about the Cavs. This week. <laughs> no, but in all, in all seriousness, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, I don't know where the ceiling tops out, but you've got to be impressed by the way the Cavaliers have scouted, the way they've drafted. They they haven't gone and look, I'm not I'm not a draft aficionado. I don't know who they passed on or who they could have taken otherwise, but they seem to have really focused in on guys who really will try hard and will try and improve their game and low uh high floor even if the ceiling is a little bit lower but the that's that's the akoro pick to a t <laughs> well and when when we were talking about the buffalo bills the when when you're talking about um their quarterback you you're not supposed to improve the way he did right you yeah, can't I mean, project I... that kind of work ethic and that kind of willingness to uh, for self-reflection and self-improvement. And the Cavaliers seem to be really focused in on guys who recognize the holes in their games and will put in the work to try and improve it. And I don't, I don't know how you do that. I, the funny thing about that too is like I, I've been pretty hard on Kobe Altman. Um, I didn't see his vision for what he was trying to build. Um, and so, you know, for a while I was just, I was, I was really down. Like I didn't like, I didn't necessarily love the pairing of Garland and Sexton. Um, and we loved Griff too. Yeah. You know, and I, but I, so, you know, it was one of those things that was like, I was kind of down on him. I was like, I just didn't see a plan or anything like that. And then when they did the Drummond move, I think a lot of people were really surprised by that. But that was like the first time I was like, oh. Well, that's dumb. That just makes them just good enough not to be bad. Yeah. Well, then there was a sentiment of that, you know, and it was like, well, what are, are the Cavs just trying to make a run for the eight seed, you know? And But what, what I kind of felt like was it was the first time I saw like, I think he's putting together a team building principle here and an identity that he's looking for with this team. And then the Okoro pick just fit in perfectly with that. And suddenly – like I, I was just sitting there looking and that while everybody was sort of laughing, you know, they end up with JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond and Kevin Love and Larry Nance, you, Isaac Okoro. Like you've got like all these, all these guys that can play big. And I, I was like, well, I almost wonder if the Cavs are noticing a sort of market inefficiency and they're going after it, you know, as the league has shifted away and put such an emphasis on playing small, everybody wants to play small. And if you can play small, like that, that was like the golden state warriors, like the, the death lineup, you know, and you, you know, as, if you could play small and get away with it, like that was the way to do it. 
it just sort of seemed like as the league was shifting that way, I think Kobe kind of said, what happens if we turn the dial the other direction? You know, let's, let's kind of see what happens. And then you, you do, you, you look for guys with a certain work ethic and that are going to fit into that team. And all of a sudden he is building a team that has an identity. And that's, that's it. We talked about that a lot with the Browns this year about how important that was for them to establish an identity and that's what the Cavs seem to be doing right now. So I've actually I've been pretty uh, pretty pleased uh, with what they're doing. So, so we had a tweet response from Jacob Lawson. I asked the question about um, Bickerstaff versus Beeline versus Stefanski and Kitchens, and Jacob says no. Stefanski took the Browns to the divisional round and almost beat the reigning Super Bowl champs. Bickerstaff has the Cavs fighting for the seventh seed. Fair. That's, that's it. Is fair. fair. That's but, fair. But I also like they're dramatically different sports. Like you still in and basketball. The Cavs season isn't over yet. Well, that's true. But <laughs> you also like, well, you know, that's a good point though because if you think about it, the Browns were fighting for the seventh seed in the AFC. You know, they were they were. So maybe it's maybe it's not all that different. But really, like the Cavs don't have in basketball. You still need you still need a guy you need your, you need that dude. And I don't think the Cavs have that. But um, if the Cavs can make the be... seven seed and they can knock out the two seed. And then there you go. <laughs> that never, that almost never happens in the NBA though. Does it not too much? Not too much. You'll every once in a while, you get a team that's kind of plucky and, you know, we'll do something there. You know, there's been some, uh, some upsets, but it doesn't happen very often. Basket. Basketball until you get down to those top top four seeds, you know it's it can be a little bit predictable, but that's how it goes. All right. Well, I guess uh, this is probably the latest we've ever talked about the NFL draft in the history of waiting for next year. Yeah, it's nice. It's been nice. Yeah. Right. So the 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 Browns draft what twenty sixth? Sure. You can't you can't even project that far out in the draft. It's not it's that, it's that, amazing. You just have to wait and see what happens. That's so funny. It's like you sit there and you look at it and you're like, how on earth am I supposed to have an opinion on who I want the Browns to take when I have no clue who's going to be available? Like you could always with the Browns, you could always find a group of five six guys and you like you know the Browns are going to get one of them because there wasn't enough picks for all of them to be taken and. Now, like you can have your set of favorite guys, but you're gonna be waiting a long time to see. Yeah, normally with the Browns, they're in the top ten somewhere. All right, we like their quarterback, so we take these first two quarterbacks off the board. The Browns weren't gonna draft those guys, and they're not gonna be available. So that that leaves the running back, two linebackers, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a safety. And out of those, the Browns, you, know, you start doing your math, and the process of elimination ends up, you know, well with, with no trade. The Browns are definitely going to do this. So, yeah. this, this, but this also reminds me of a post that I've been working on that'll, that'll hit the site here in, in a few days. Um, we need to talk about this. Predicting scores needs to go away as, as a part of sports media. Uh, I noticed it, especially during the NFL this year, on the pregame shows, which I barely watch, but every single week on Twitter, there would be like 
uh, uh, somebody would screen cap a graphic of all oh, these NFL reporters pick the Chiefs to beat so and so or this or that, and it's like they're not picking against the spread. They're not. They're. It's meaningless. It's it's so like if you're picking the Chiefs against the Browns in the playoffs, and you're not taking the spread into account, and you pick the Browns, you're an idiot. They were right. seven point underdogs at least. It doesn't make any sense. And so why do we continue to do this as a media? Like uh, TV producers need to stop it. Well, it gets even better because a lot of them even have to predict the score, not just who's not just who's going to win. Then they have to give a score, what they think the score is going to be. And like, could there be anything less relevant than what somebody thinks the score will be? Like, let alone and, like, and this is and this is what I say in the in in the piece that like. Tell me that you like the over because the over is 55 and the weather's going to be good. And these are two high powered offenses with not very good defenses, but don't tell me that I predict the chiefs are going to win 28 to 17. Yeah. Like nobody cares. Yeah. And we won't, we won't name names, but this kind of ties into, you know, a certain somebody who covers the Browns who said when was asked the question, you know, how do the Browns beat Pittsburgh? And he says, they don't, you know, and it was like my whole thing about that was like, what is the value in saying that? Like, even like, because to me that goes into saying like predicting like who's going to win. I predict the Browns are going to win, or I predict Pittsburgh is going to win. Well, I don't care about that. What I do care about is telling me how do the Browns win that game? What do the Brown? What are the things that need to go the Browns' way to do it? And if you would have said, well, you know, they're going to need some turnovers. You know, they're going to need to uh you know stop be able to establish their running game but or whatever whatever it might be whatever you as an analyst can season as an advantage for the browns i want to hear that and i want i want to hear like what do the steelers need to do to make sure that you know that the browns don't su surprise them like those are the things you want to hear it's not who's going to win because it's sports man it doesn't matter like Every year we are shocked by how many outcomes in sports. So what difference does it make who you think is going to win? But give me some analysis on how these teams are going to play each other and what you see as the advantages each team has. That's what I want to hear. And, well, that's, and where, that's where people provide value. And, and to my point, we're now living in a world where everybody has access to sports betting. We know that sports betting is happening on everybody's phones, whether it's daily fantasy or, or legit sports betting on the lines. So if you, if you think the Browns have a good chance to win, just tell me why you think seven points is too big a spread and why, yeah. you know, the Browns might not come out on top, but six out of 10 times, I think they, I think they can, they can keep it within a field goal. Um, yeah. I, I think you're overrating the Chiefs and underrating the Browns' pluckiness. So, but but this idea that the a sports producer for a TV show, especially a national TV show, CBS, you know, pregame, whatever they call that, or Fox pregame, and they're going to go, all right, Howie, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I I think the Chiefs got this one in the bag. Like, who needs that seven seconds of TV? It's the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. There's one exception. And that's if you're Lee Corso and you're putting on a uh, the Not helmet or the you're putting on the uh, the mascot head of the team you think's gonna win. Then it's but, okay. But is it is it or are you know. tired of that too? Because because how many times have we seen this where like beloved 
sportscasters and beloved sports personalities like become a caricature of themselves yeah the audience turns on them it happened to chris berman if if people hear dick vitale talk about diaper dandies one more time Uh, they're just going oh true you know if you're it's true you know it's like some people in the world think the beatles are overrated because they've been around so long and they've influenced so much music that it doesn't feel as revolutionary as it did when it came out and yeah. and not to compare dick vitale to the beatles but he <laughs> has not he's not done anything new he's not innovated he's the same guy i mean even gus johnson we all loved gus johnson and yeah, now some and people I do are like, not anymore i enough enough that's guys. how i feel that's how i feel honestly like i'm I'm I do too, but I feel bad about it. I do too. He's, he's not doing anything wrong. Like he's (laughs) he's doing the thing that got him the gig that he's doing, but it's just like, I just roll my eyes sometimes like, Oh God, here we go. Gus is going, you know, what do you want him to do? Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you, man, there is nothing like less fun than being the fan of a favorite and having the underdog, like score the first touchdown in a game. And cause Gus is going to go crazy. And you're just like, Dude, just chill out for a second, man. But, but you know, and it's funny because, like, again, not to like, because I, I I know like everybody has various opinions of Bill Simmons, but like, I find I still to this day I don't listen to his podcast a ton, but I listen to him and Cousin Sal guess the lines, and I will listen to that a million times before I'll listen to if they were just guessing who's going to win. It's almost like a game show. It is. It's it's absolutely. It's a game show. And in that, when they talk about why they think the spread is what they think it's going to be, they talk about how these teams match up against each other. Well, I think because the weather is going to be this and such and such has been hot against this kind of defense or whatever. Like they can be completely wrong about it. They're wrong about so much shit, but like I, I find it infinitely more entertaining to listen to them try to guess a line than I do listen to them guess who's going to win the game. Like, I think there's just so much more value in in, in whatever degree of analysis that is than trying to guess who's going to win. I have zero interest, and I do not care who anybody thinks is going to win. So, but I but I do like I do like when they uh, when they guess or they they talk about who they bet on. Yeah, you know I you know six points. It's a lot of points on the road. You can hear them formulating their bet- betting plans as they go along. Like, you know, they're making notes as they do this. Like, okay, we, like this is part of our teaser right here, you know? Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else that we want to go over? I don't think so. I think, I think uh, we covered it. We covered everything that's pretty much relevant since you don't want to talk about Cesar Hernandez. Jeez. What a buzzkill, Craig. Isn't that the dog trainer? <laughs> of the browns no <laughs> i i there was a caesar who was like a tv dog trainer no, i don't know anyway. um wait a way to end with a bang craig <laughs> i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank everybody for watching on facebook youtube and twitter we are part of the evergreen podcast network please if you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash wfny give us some love there and then join our discord that's tinyurl.com forward slash wfny disc uh, all those links will be available everywhere on twitter and facebook
please uh, make 2021 the year that you hang out with us. We don't we don't even care if you pay us. We'd like it if you paid us. But even if you don't, just come hang out with us. Um, it'll be fun. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you next time. It's been the Waiting for Next Year.com podcast. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.